the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Moscow Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analysts' work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's podcast, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA, and that's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Ah, that was a drink of water, and yeah. A little bit of different music on the way in here. Got to change it up on you guys. Well, you could change it up by being on time for the podcast for once, asshole. All right, well, there's that. But yeah, there's also what you're hearing now. This is uh, Sisters of Mercy, Creation My Reflection. Little, uh, <laughs> a little, little goth industrial there. A little uh, from from the uh, mid early '90s. Shout out to Dante uh, Morgan from Junkie Nation. You know he uh, requested this like a couple months back. On the radio show, it was a pleasant surprise. So this was random Dan Tom shit that was just dormant on my playlist. But you know, other people get down on it too. So uh, so shout out to him. And speaking of Dante, um, <clears throat> I feel like I've been quoting Clerks, and then of course hearing Russian in my head all day because we are in Moscow. That's right, Moscow. And I, I, of course, I just I just referencing uh, that Berserker scene a bit. And you, <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, that. Different gifs of that 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 movie have been uh, circulating about because it's just you know that, that that that's just yeah that's just where Dan Tom's head lives. You guys you guys know this. You guys know this. Sorry, I'm taking another swig here. Mm. Wata, it's so good. It's so good. I'm gonna uh, keep this uh, <clears throat> short. I'm gonna try to actually fire straight through here. Uh, keep it kind of a keep it kind of a short preview. Um, as per usual, the week didn't go as planned for Dan Tom, but not in a bad way. Uh, not at all, actually. Really, really cool stuff. Um, kind of a, an unexpected little project. Uh, not project, but uh, opportunity fell in my lap, so I decided to jump on it down over at the USCPI. I got to, uh, believe it or not, I haven't been there yet. So it was really cool to uh, to go down there uh, at the USCPI. It was for a Quintet 3. Quintet three, a uh, little uh, press scrum, if you will. Sakuraba, Barnett, Faber, um, and some other faces like Hideo Tokoro, which was a, a nice surprise uh, if you follow the Japanese MMA. Or you know, he, he's fought in you know Bellator and places like that too. But it was cool, man. Uh, just watching them getting a workout, filming them, uh, you know, doing interviews. Uh, you saw, you know, the, they had some clips of it. We had one on MMA Junkie filling around. Barnett was doing, <laughs> he dropped a uh, Enter the Dragon uh, little reference. And I think one of the, the media guys there, and, and to no fault to him, I mean, it's a, the way he was describing it was the common trope, you know, getting an invitation to a tournament and taking a vote a, a boat to Hong Kong. And uh, <clears throat> one of the other media guys mistook it for uh, a Van Damme movie, right? I think, right, Bloodsport. But uh, it was actually Enter the Dragon. And uh, I was like, you yeah. know. Maybe definitely not looks wise, but I, I could definitely see a Barnett as a as, as a roper, you know, intellect wise. <laughs> By the way, I was listening to a Rogan podcast recently with Eddie Bravo, and I really dug his story at the beginning there of him uh, introducing to the kid to, to enter the dragon. Because immediately, as soon as he started leading to that story, I was like, "Oh shit, is Eddie forgetting about the hookers part?" <laughs> that was awesome. But uh, a <clears throat> little tidbit, guys. Little tidbit. This actually, we'll get to the breakdown, but this is actually worth it. While I was there, I feel like I could say this. Um, let's just say the rings, uh, the octagon of the UFCPI, was being <clears throat> renovated, if you will. Um, instead of normal, 
you know, padding and octagon padding, practice padding, mat, flooring, whatever word you want to use that would be appropriate for a gym, they're actually laying out real, like, UFC, the uh, actual octagon canvas with the sponsors and everything. Like, it, all that was missing was some fresh blood. And, I'll, you know, the word on the street was that they were preparing for uh, specifications for Conor McGregor, who is, of course, doing the last part of his camp for UFC 229 here in Vegas at the UFC PI. They reserve special times and do special things for him. As you know, decking out a ring for him is not an abnormal thing, but uh, I guess he wanted to get the feel, which was pretty interesting. I mean, you look at the canvas, it'll definitely mark him up, but I don't think he's planning on shooting. Uh, I think he just wants to get the feel as far as takedown defense, though. So just a little cool little tidbit there. Uh, as far as reading between the lines. Again, I have nothing official. It's just, just allegedly. All right, there we go. Allegedly. All right. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was cool. I got to watch the guys grapple and just, it was just, it was just really, really awesome. You know, I, I don't get fanboy for much, whether it's celebrities, MMA fighters, or any of that stuff. But as a catch wrestling guy, seeing people, guys like Barnett and is obviously, especially, Sakuraba, a living legend like that, was just surreal. Uh, Saku, man. I mean, just all the wars that guy's been through and just see that he's that still that character, you know? Um, I was posting some videos on my Instagram story. Maybe I'll cycle them back through my Twitter uh, later at the appropriate times, but it's definitely a cool experience. Uh, UFC 228's been beat to death, so don't worry. I won't recap that here, but was a good card. Uh, again, Follow uh, MMA Junkie Radio, MMAJunkie.com forward slash radio at MMA Junkie Radio on Instagram or Twitter uh, and Facebook as well. Uh, and, you know, follow it there. That's where usually you'll be getting my recaps because, let's be honest, Dan Thomas hard enough to get these breakdown episodes out, much less the recaps. Uh, speaking of which, um, yeah, let's get to the breakdown, shall we? Let's not waste any time. Let's get to the business. It starts off, that's right, the whole card is on UFC Fight Pass. As I pull up the lines here, the lines are already up. Look at that. Look at that. Dan Tom didn't ramble on and didn't have to refresh the page. That's right. Yeah, he set it up ahead of time, folks. Progress. No, it's not, Dan. All right, well, uh, Medab Devashvili, minus 550 uh, with the comeback. Ontarian Ware to kick off the card, plus 425. Man, do they hate Ontarian Ware. I mean... <laughs> Um, who would they give him? Uh, Cody Stammen, you know, who was on his win streak, which uh, recently got ended, but still, uh, obviously not an easy fight there. And, granted, short notice for both guys, if you recall that fight, I believe back in the summer of 2017, uh, that took place, I believe. But, yeah, it wasn't a full camp. Then they bring him back against O'Malley, who not only was a guy they want to build up, as we know, O'Malley, uh, you know, I don't want to say real deal. I mean, he's still a young kid that's got a lot, a lot of room to grow, but definitely talented, right? Definitely a ceiling, definitely not bullshit. So, you know, that wasn't an easy fight for Tarion. And then Dukinwa, another prospect uh, who many were excited for. And you could argue that Tarion Ware won that fight, but nonetheless, he's on the road again. <sighs> on a guy who you could argue they really want to get a win. I mean, you know... Sarah Longo camp looking for a fight all around nice guy, fun fighter, and arguably won uh, both uh, both fights. Uh, you know, depending on what stance you want to take, I, I picked him on his UFC de debut to beat Frankie Signs, and we know the story there, the takedowns, but the lack of control and lack of capitalizing on certain spots allowed it to be closer than it perhaps needed to be, and uh, I, I, perhaps memory might be scratchy, but I believe there was a bunch of funny of officiating that night. So, yeah, it went the way it did, you know. And then, of course, as we all know, the Ricky Simon Vato scrap where um, he bicycle kicked his way to the finish line but was not enough to convince the referee. Uh, and, yeah, uh, so um, I think I actually had less of a problem with that, believe it or not. And I'm not trying to get rehash either of those arguments. But the point is they were close fights, so it's really unique. But that being said... Terran Ware, it's, it's clear he he's drawn the short end of the straw. And stylistically, you know, unless he's able to... Uh, I don't even want to say catch Marab because Marab recovers fast. And again, he's just 
a power shot away from clo- you know closing the clinch and and just creating and capitalizing in scrambles for the most part. Um, you know, again, maybe not capitalizing to close the show. Like he he maybe tr- should have tried to at certain spots of that Frankie Signs fight. Again, Frankie Signs so tough, but uh, uh, you know, as, as far as um. Yeah, you guys get what I'm saying here. I pretty much think Marab is going to smother <laughs> smother Tarion, um, unless Tarion really, really stings him good and, and can capitalize and close the show. All right, next fight. <sighs> Mimicking odds right here. Ramazan Emiv, minus 550. Comeback on Stefan Skralnik. Sikulik. Sorry. Stefan Serbian. Sikulik is not, he's not, the Serbian is not his nickname, but, you know. He is Serbian. He comes from, uh, you know, according to that profile I read in the UFC, the Mihailovic brothers and Boyan is one of them. I'm guessing that's the same Boyan Mihailovic. That was the shit kicker guy with the neck tattoos and the black belt around his thigh. They got uh, whoops by Nanganu. <coughs> oh, I hope I'm not coming down with some mad like mucus build up in like the last 24 hours. So. If you hear my voice and all that, sorry. Sorry for that visual. All right, moving on. Skrullneck. What do you say? I don't know, but it's fucked up. Um, yeah, man. Uh, you know, he's a southpaw of Serbia. Outside of his loss to David Zavada, um, you know, really hard to tell if he has a quality competition. Like a lot of these guys on this card, you'll see that not a lot of big names, but not exactly scrubs because, you know, most of these guys, um, for the most part, fought, uh, majority winning records, right? If not majority, close to or half. And then if, if not, oh, heard a pop there. Make sure I'm still recording. Yeah, it looks like I'm still recording. Uh, and if not, uh, they're guys like whether it was like... Um, Jin Soon Sun or Susan, uh, or uh, even other Russian guys, like they would fought like maybe not winning records, but like those just journeyman type records where it's stacked, and maybe it's you know it's it's, it's barely above five hundred by a hair, but the point is those are still credible fights, if not more credible than the other fights, because you know you're at least getting an experienced guys when you're at a stage where you need to get experience. Um, so again, just kind of kind of hard to tell there. But when watching footage on him, you know he was surprisingly technical uh, from a southpaw stance. I, I like how he kind of, he has the awareness to move his head off of his off of his punches. Um, can counter, can come forward. Uh, real technical, uh, or at least has his head in the right spot. Uh, once he hits the mat again, hard to tell where that ceiling is. Um, but just kind of judging how he moves on, around the mat. Uh, real textbook stuff, you know. I was watching one of his fights. He, he gets a guillotine choke. Might have been his last fight for for this one actually and again kind of like uh i got tweeted with the uh, uh you know after uh, woodley till uh man you know that was a textbook that's the textbook counter to an underhook getup is a a a, a, a darce or a guillotine obviously woodley got the darce but in this case for stefan he got a just just went and got the guillotine real step by step it was just a real nice watch so if you guys Watch that fight. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. That's that's kind of uh, in reference to when I say the textbook textbook counter there, underhook getups, underhook getups. Um, actually, dog sitting for the man that uh, taught me that right now. Another reason why this podcast is late. Dan, we don't care about your excuses. All right, all right fucking moving on. Relax, relax. All right, uh, but R- R- Ramzan Amiv again. He's like gonna be the worst style for this guy. You know, on paper he's smaller, but. He looks bigger, like, because Stefan looks small on the tape. Again, it's hard to tell. There's not there's no strong points of reference there. You know, he's a good three inches taller than Ramazan, but I don't know. I think Ramazan's definitely going to be the stronger guy here. And Ramazan, whether he's getting off on the floor or on the feet, because he's really well-rounded. I, again, I, I came across Ramazan when I was doing tape study a couple years ago uh, for ACB card, I think, and it was uh, for Vasilevsky. And it was, uh, you know, he, 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 he splits a pair of fights with him, of course. Uh, I think they were both in M1. And uh, but, but, yeah, man, this guy's been around... Um, you know, it's fought other guys like vets like Mario Miranda and whatnot. I don't have uh, his shit pulled up right now. But the point is, when it's not going his way or when he needs a breather, uh, he's, he's he's stronger in the clinch like a lot of these guys are. Good hits. Um, 
And, uh, and yeah, I think that's where we're going to see a lot of this fight, to be honest. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a finish, but I have a feeling it's just going to be kind of another controlling decision. Um, he, it would be nice to see him get a finish when you look at, you know, his recent fights. Uh, not that he's saying he's not trying to, or didn't have his moments for sure, right? But, but yeah, um, I, I still wouldn't count on it here. And... Judging by the over unders, which by the way, if I'm, I always miss you know points I want to talk about on certain lines, but uh, yeah, the over unders, nothing really jumps out. Everything's pretty stacked uh, for where it is. Uh, a lot of these lines are not very attractive, so I apologize in advance. But uh, yeah, there was just not, not a lot of attractive stuff. So it's, it's not that I am trying to consciously skip s certain lines. There just wasn't a lot where you know, you know, I'm pulling up props like I was, and, and I was just. Not even anything where, like, oh, well, you hedge here if you like this one. And then just not a lot of angles. And if they were, they were, you know, bet up by earlier in the week. So I'm not even going to try to, um, you know, claim claim pre-inflated numbers on you, obviously. Not that I, I've ever done that. But, yeah, I, I got to move here, and I think it's going to be by decision. Um, by the way, guys, I'm going to recap it at the end and keep doing stuff in my show notes and timestamping to try to make it faster. Although this will be one of the faster episodes, though, uh, let me know what you think about, like, you know, what you think, you know, if, if I should uh, post the pics uh, on Twitter the day of the fight, you know, do something like that for these cards where it's not the UFC pay-per-view, in other words, where you won't be getting my picks in print, so to speak, um, for these kind of cards, like these Fight Night and, and, and Fight Pass cards, or in the future ESPN cards, you know, right? Um, and or... Uh, posting them along in the show notes uh, under the uh, you know under the description sentence and just kind of having uh, pics of the fighters. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be offended if you didn't want to listen to me because you still would have to subscribe to CSET Picks, right? And for times where I am a little later and you're a little later to listen to it, it gives you that option. Again, layers, just like my breakdown, staple, supplemental. Summary, you go as deep as you want to go, you can just take the pick and fucking run away. It's all good, all good. No no hard feelings here. Feedback, definitely welcome, though. All right, moving on. Uh, Jordan Big Swingin' Johnson. Speaking of which, shouts to uh, Ben Folks on that uh, ranking the nicknames thing. I don't know if he's going to keep doing that, but but that's awesome. Uh, that'd be way too hard of a top five, by the way, for this podcast to tackle. Um, top five nicknames, right? You, you'd have to like really like segment it, like top five ridiculous nicknames. But um, anyways, Jordan Johnson minus two sixty. Adam Yandaev plus two twenty. Kind of dangerous when you consider Yandaev. You know, uh, not he's Russian, but not exactly. Uh, I don't fucking the country, goddammit. <laughs> I have it in front of me. I think it's something with an I or some shit. Anyways, but, uh, you know, it's one of those weird ones, like, uh, kind of like Merop, uh, where, he, you know, <laughs> those outliers, like, uh, Georgian area, right? Or some, some, some shit like that. Uh, forgive me if there's, like, two, the two Russian protecting podcasts and just probably fucking hate me right now. I'm just butchering your regions. I will stop. The point is, Undefeated muscly dude, never been out of the first round kind of a deal. And, you know, Dan Tom likes to fade those dudes. But I don't trust his price, even though uh, I like to fade those dudes, especially on their debut. And, again, hard to tell who he's really fought. And Jordan Johnson may not be the most exciting guy, but still a solid. I don't want to say prospect. It's a word that's thrown out too eagerly, you know, too easily. It's, but light heavyweight division, right? I mean, you don't have to do much to be considered a prospect there. You kind of have to, like, just be healthy, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not on <a> suspension. <laughs> oh Jesus! All right, uh, but you know, no. Um, Jordan Johnson, of course, trading over with eight Iron Train centers. He's got you know Bader at heavyweight, the uh, inflate, uh, inflated light heavyweight, and I don't say that disrespectfully. Uh, fan of Bader, picked him, uh, picked him early when this was first announced. He was my pick to win, win the thing. Uh, so we'll see if uh, we'll see if he he does that. But he's also training with CB. Uh, good, good to at least be training with active guys, getting ready for fights. He's definitely the pick here. You know, I I think uh, it's like initial. You know, on paper you're like, oh well, it's good. Adam will make Jordan fight. But then again, maybe not. Maybe maybe this is this is 
just a terrible matchup for for Yandaev there. You know, the the antithesis. You know, a guy that's gonna stymie him in the clinch and and stymie his more. You know, Yandaev's from judo, but it, it's weird, man. Like he he. Uh, he he's not beyond like you know as far as his radar goes for foot sweeps and stuff and I, I, again it's hard to tell limited footage limited ring time uh, he will do some things that are very judo like but it's like it's almost like he he's muscling them as far as like uh, chaining and flowing with the takedown and kind of doing sacrifice throw type stuff uh, you almost see him like <sighs> compensating for the lack of gi and grip by using his muscle. Um, but he's got hammers in his arms, man. I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna pass the Novisky test, but you know, he's there. He's plus two twenty if you want to take a shot. But I'm good. I'm gonna stay the fuck away from that one. Um, and you know, Jordan Johnson could look like one of those fights where it's like, why didn't I stay away? Why didn't I put him in a parlay? Uh, although this seems like parlay city, there's not a lot I would trust for a parlay. But I actually wouldn't hate you if you threw Jordan Johnson in there. I just, uh, I'm staying away from this one. Magomed Ankalaev. Um, maybe it's because of the, you know, last minute. Uh, I mean, what do you want to call that? I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from fucking Paul, the bear Jew Craig, but a lot of that juju is probably scaring, scaring me away. I don't know how, how, how you guys feel about it, but it's, it, it's scaring me away. Scaring me away. Um, but Mar Marcin Prakny, I mean, you know, obviously, uh, overinflated dude. I think, I think, I, I got to imagine he, you know, I don't think the guy, that guy lear uh, learns much, you know, seeing how zombie wired he was against Alvi, but. Uh, it's, it's one of those things, hard to tell, you know, that guy too, he had a good, good record and looked like an athletic stud coming in, but you you just, you see some guys adjust their wild ways and kind of get smarter, like a Devison Figueredo when he kind of came in, and you're, you just see some guys, maybe get stupider, uh, and, uh, and yeah, you know, water finds its own level, so to speak, and uh, we'll see where... Paracnio finds his level as far as a sophomore appearance. You can never fully judge a guy, of course, in his debut appearance. Uh, so both guys, their sophomore appearances here. But I got to imagine, again, kind of like the last fight, well, Paracnio will make Magomed fight, right? And Magomed fights, he knocks people out. Sure. Um, but I think even if, uh, you know, Magomed's trying, trying to fight safe, I, yeah, I, I think... God, it's hard to speak with any certain now with a guy like like Pracknow, but I, I just imagine him not taking much for him to get into a blitz, and that blitz causing Magomed to change levels, get his win. He knows how important this shit is at home. I mean, the pressure on these guys, I got to imagine, is immense. So as much as they, I imagine, would want to show up to blow up, as uh, as as my, as, as uh, one of my one of my coaches, Dennis Davis, would say, you know. I don't know these. I'm not going to pretend to know Russian fighters' temperaments, but I do know fighting in your hometown, there's a lot of pressure, and a lot of these guys going to have pressure on them. So I wouldn't be so quick to just, you know, assume there's going to be a finish here or there. But yeah, I assume there's going to be a finish in this one. When we look at the power in Magomed Ankalaev's ground and pound and Prakniao's wildness, and, you know, not he's susceptible to some heavy hands. So. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. Uncle Lev inside the distance. Maribek Tysimov next fight minus five hundred. Desmond Green plus four hundred. Man, um, you know, I like many. It's probably surprised to see this fight make it, but I guess grateful because we get to see Maribek Tysimov fight. But then again, you know, fan. You know, I don't say fan, but you know, soft spot for Des Green in this spot, and also you know just. A tough dude, a overlooked guy, a, a live underdog, a hard out, you know, all the, whatever you want to attach to him, you know, he, he fits those bills. And uh, if it weren't for the circumstances, I'd say he'd be a deceptive dog here, at least maybe to enough for me to uh, play the over, you know. Uh, two and a half, you're getting plus money at plus 100, but not so much the fact that Maribek Tasimov doesn't see decision very much. 
But again, you know, where 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 is Des Green at here? Um, coming in, coming into this one, and uh, his wrestling is stifling. But will will it even be a factor? I mean, as we've seen, Tizemov just likes to go in and out and bang, and he's been pretty successful against. You know, not not named dudes, which is the whole unfortunate and frustrating part of his UFC career, but still talented dude, dudes nonetheless. And uh, hold on one second. Hey, you see a set of kids around here? No time for love, Dr. Jones. Apologies. Had some coffee earlier, and, you know, old Dan Tom's stomach still not liking the, uh, the acidity. Some uh, some calm or stuff. Calm. Anyways, um, yeah, I see Tysonov kind of moving in and out and, and banging with them, and... You know, Des Green, I'm pretty sure has not been stopped. He's been submitted, but not TKO'd. Yeah. But, um, man, I don't know. I, it, it's tough. P- part of me wants to sprinkle on that over, especially when, you know, you, you get the favor that's out of range, but so hard to bet against. I feel like the over is the only other angle, but not a confident one I can recommend. I may or may not. You know, throw a degenerate quarter on there, just just to keep keep things interesting because there's not a lot of interesting bets, much less not a lot of interesting plus money. But uh, there may be a plus money bet Dan Tom has coming later, so stay tuned for that. But yeah, the pick is Tysonov, of course. Um, I'm gonna say decision, but it's clearly not a confident pick as far as that goes. All right, next one: Rustam Kavilov at an inflated, in my opinion, seven fifty. Versus Kahan Johnson plus five twenty five, but again, Kahan Johnson's on the uh, Terrian Ware chopping block, uh, <laughs> in the sense of just you know ruthless freaking matchups, Jesus. And I got to imagine it's no coincidence these guys are finding themselves in the same card. You know, I mean we're having a a fucking card way out in fucking Moscow for Christ's sake. No offense, Russia. I want to go go and visit you. Much love and respect, but I'm done. Just saying. Um, yeah, meet us all. Even though I said it was an inflated line, I obviously I got Kabalov here. Um, this is another one where it's like, I want to say inside the distance, and let's see where if that's even chalked up. I got to imagine it is just out of principle when you had a line by seven people, uh, seven fifty people are hungry, chomping at the bit to bet it and be degenerate, and they assume that oh well, it's that high must finish him, right? That's what that's what lines minus five hundred above mean. They're guaranteed to get a finish. That's how it works, right? I don't know about that. Um, let's see. Oh, plus one eighty two. You're hitting plus money. Yeah, I, I mean, I get, I get why it's plus money because I don't have faith in it either. I think Kabilov gets this done by decision. Um, and keep in mind, Makachev is a fucking stud as far as the grappling goes. Uh, he is a uh, Khabib level as far as, you know, the submission side of it, or as Kabilov more, more just, you know, wrestling, suplex, clinches, positional grappling, that's more of his bread and butter. A little bit of different tools in the shed there. Um, so, yeah, let me see. All right. Let's move on to the next fight, because, uh, it uh, very excites me. All right, another, another another big favorite, the biggest favorite, of course. Peter, no mercy on minus nine hundred. Comeback on Jim Susan. Kim, I always want to say Kim just because Korean. Dan, not all Koreans are named Kim. More Kims in a Korean phone book. More chins than a Chinese phone book. Uh, yeah. Plus six hundred is the comeback on him. Uh, not a lot of footage, not a lot of sample size, and again, kind of like I was alluding with his record, you got a lot of journeyman fighters that he was facing over there, and uh, that part of the world, which pretty much was just Korean and Japanese opposition. Uh, pretty wild and aggressive dude, uh, you know, durable, fighting spirit, all the typical stuff you can stereotype with most Korean fighters, but you know, that's going to be his best bet here. Uh, Peter Yon's composing encounter, and he's he's dangerous in the first round. Obviously, you saw in his last fight against Ishihara, but you just can't let him get going in his rhythm. It's only going to get worse for you. And as Yon showed in his wars with 
Magomed Magomedov, he doesn't get discouraged. He will get a feel for the fight. He will get a feel for you, and he will catch up to you. I mean, it may take him a bit. He may have to come back and do it again. Uh, rare occasion, but he will do it. Um, so th that's going to be his best bet. But that's also why it's predicted to be a wild fight. And that's also why when you kind of take a look at the layered uh, prop lines there, you're going to see that, you know, this fight, even before they, they kind of got inflated um, for a bantamweight fight, it looks like a heavyweight fight with the way it's being bet as far as juiced up. This fight won't see the distance, yawn inside the distance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, of course, yes, a lot of hype on Peter Yawn, but deservedly so. Um, and, and then, you know, of course, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, there's assholes like me who have been helping with that. Um, I stumbled onto him along with most people did. Uh, ACB32, which, uh, as I tweeted out earlier in the week when I was doing a study on this fight, um, it was, I just remember this being the, like, Griffin Bonner uh, of ACBs for me. You know, just watching this one live, uh, I remember, I believe it might have been working at MMA Latest at the time, and... We just did a shared their stream, of course, uh, and uh, it was free on YouTube. And I just remember just tweeting out going, you guys have to watch it. This is an insane fight. And it just seemed like more and more people were tuning in and tweeting about it. And it was just it was just, it was just a badass fight. I mean, you had Magomed Magomedov, just, you know, just insane Wushu Sanda, right? Like spin kicks, spinning back uh, kicks, super fluid, you know. Uh, hip tosses and tosses, but just, you know, uh, unlike a, who we'll get to later, like a Shamil Abdur Kimov Wushu Sanda, where it's kind of more limited to a couple positional rides and then lets off on the floor, doesn't have a lot. Like, you know, uh, Magomed Magomedov be trying to take his back, and then it would just go back and forth. And what I loved about Jan, and, and for those who saw, at least saw his last fight against Ishihara, you saw glimpses of this, is just kind of how he moves in the small spaces. And obviously, you know, he's got some, uh, not you know, master sports and boxing. So footwork and moving tight and and pivoting is not a. It, it was great, and of course I could pontificate on that. But 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 even just the the the, the judo work that he, he clearly people in his camp and in his own experience has some bit of background in. You know, as far as his his foot sweeps that he would execute in fights uh, back in ACB or in the regional scenes. Or how you saw him kind of moving defensively and kind of just tactically around Ishihara, even you know through and through, through the fence. One of the things with like Zabit Magomed Sharapov, um, which I don't know if I you know I was half awake clearly. <laughs> By the way, guys, if I'm later on these too, it's because I wanted to get some rest now. Because as you saw, what, what happens when I just try to rush it to market even when I'm late? Fuck, Dan Tom just ran out of gas in that last podcast, and I just. Maybe I'll do a little bit of this one, you know, here because uh, my voice is just shot from this week. Uh, again, hopefully I'm not getting sick here. <laughs> but um, but yeah. Anyways, apologies on that. But but Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I don't know if I covered it last time. He's just so great at just dicing between the fence. Usually, guys, as you know, I always use the analogy, you know, treating it, treating their back like a, like a block of cheese and treating the, the fence like a cheese grater. You know, and that's the best way to thwart the back take. You know, you just get your back up against the fence and you don't allow for that space. When you have a, you have guys like Zabit Magomed Sharapov who kind of slice and dice their way, and maneuver right through it. And Peter Young did a little bit of that too. More importantly, just kind of showed, you know, the uh, nimbleness of his footwork. And uh, yeah, nimble. That that's the word that almost comes to mind when I think of Peter Yan. And as far as his fighting style and just those tight hooks inside, man, it's just bread and butter. It doesn't take a lot on there, and he has pop for a bantamweight, so he will have his opportunities again. You know, Jim Susan, durable uh, Korean, tough's gonna come at him, but. Uh, not impervious, not the best defense. So, so yeah, I guess I could I could see why the line got super inflated. So, best of luck to you, whatever angle you try to take on it. Uh, I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy the violence. Um, if anything, again, kind of like the uh, Desmond Green Maribak Tysimov. Um, if anything, I actually the over a little bit tempting. Only set it over one and a half. If you think. Uh, you know, the Korean durability can last long enough, but uh, I think the Korean craziness is going to make it a little too risky to play that, if you're asking me, so I stayed away. All right, um, let's see, one, two, three, four. Fuck it, let's push through, guys, let's push through. Uh, yeah, let's push through, let's push through. All right, Khalid.
Murtazalayi, minus 170, Rasi beat Doberman Dalloway, plus 150. Man, there was a time where I was uh, taking shots on Dalloway as a dog. Um, and uh, I think because I, think I hit against Cesar Fajeda and got excited, uh, overly excited, and then like, took a shot against him at Bisping. And I think I stopped there, but yeah. No moss. And um, I did bet on Dalloway, but that was just because it was like a hate bet against Francimar Bajos for the uh, fight that never uh, came true. Uh, that was, of course, UFC 203, the elevator incident. And CB Dalloway just had some weird, strange accidents. And I was at the Hector Lombard fight at UFC 222. We were at that one. And then just I just will forever have that. I mean, CB Dalloway, uh, whether it's just his, his facial expression, he kind of has that, uh, 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 what's going on? Kind of look anyways, like without trying to. So when he, again, sympathetic for, you know, Dan Tom, anybody sympathetic, the guys who've been concussed and knocked out, it's Dan Tom, but fucking seeing CB just like, uh, kind of, and just getting wheeled off and like, they didn't show it, you know, I went back to watch it there. And they don't show it on the broadcast, but live just when they're wheeling him off, <laughs> he's just his arms are literally up in the air. Like, what happened? Like, dude, what the heck? Like, literally, like holding his hands in that position the whole runway ride out. Like, if it was like a pro wrestling thing. I'm not saying he was acting, but like, it was almost just like you know, if you were putting on a show, like. Uh, like overacting it, and then not saying overacting is in CB was acting, uh, but I'm just saying like how ridiculous the gestures he was making, right? But yeah, take what you will from that, <laughs> and, and I'm not even gonna argue uh, as far as it being late. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to defend a guy like Lombard. Although I will argue, if you notice these things like the home uh, Durandamy, what's the common thread there? They are counters off of knees and kicks. So a lot of these are triggered like kind of Muay Thai counters where you check or block check two two three or block three two, I believe, which was it was a block three two um in this case, uh from the South Boss stands for Lombard on Dalloway. Um but listen, Khalid both guys in victory and defeat kind of have a common thread here. Both Khalid and C B suspect gas tanks, right? And C B both at middleweight and light heavyweight. Um you know, uh, Khalid, the one time he was stopped, you know, against, you know, a, a really tough guy, uh, a Suppian. I'm probably brutalizing his last name. But, uh, again, it was a really back-and-forth fight. It happened in the third round where it was like, before it happened, like, you know, I knew, knew the result, obviously. I'm just doing state study, and I didn't watch this fight live. And I'm just like, holy shit, uh, much respect to this guy because, like, you could tell he's just exhausted. I'm like, this guy could get KO from exha exhaustion right here. And he went on to fight, like, I think, another two minutes before he finally got stopped and caught. But he was caught like clean a good couple times where I thought he was going to get stopped then, and he kept going. So um, not an easy guy to stop by any means. Um, and just all the way, you just don't know where he's at. I could see him uh, out-wrestling and out-scrambling Khalid because that's one thing, too, in, in victory and defeat. Uh, Khalid gets out-scrambled a lot by guys who maybe aren't necessarily the best wrestlers. And I don't think they're better wrestlers than CB, and more importantly, CB from early on, even if you remember in the old, you know, his tough eight, probably the last tough series Dan Tom watched, you know, he's he's always been a good grappler to put together the, not afraid to put together the submissions and jujitsu aspects of grappling with the wrestling. So it's nothing new to CB, and even when he was tired, like, uh, you know, his fight with uh, Ed Herman, who obviously is no, no slouch in the grappling department, uh, and was winning uh, some of those rounds, right? Um, and CB was exhausted, was still just able to out-scramble. So I, I could see him making this a dogfight, and the longer it goes, the more it's going to be in CB's favor. But even that, like the over, again, it's not even like a hedge bet. Uh, if you're like Khalid like me, or not like Khalid, at least you're going to pick Khalid, I should say, like I am. Uh, the over is like plus 130, whereas CB's plus 150. So in other words, it's going over. It's probably going CB's way, considering I think Khalid, without looking, I believe only has one decision to his name. So yeah, in other words, like I was alluding to earlier, not even like having, like, not even a lot of like angles where it's like, well, I like this guy, but there's another angle here you could kind of stack or stack hedge, stack slash semi hedge, whatever you want to classify that. No, you can't. It, I mean, if you come up with them, you're a better man than I am, but I'm just not seeing them. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not seeing them. 
or at least I'm seeing them, but they're just not, I'm not confident in them, I guess you could say, right? Um, and as much as part of me was looking at CB here to pick it, this seems like one of those classic, let's, let's pick the uh, veteran here. Can't do it. I think Khalid, uh, you know, you strike a bit from southpaw, mainly from goes from orthodox. A counter come forward, uh, strike inside the clinch. Um, durable. Pressure. I, I see him getting the win, but I'm staying away from any kind of place. All right, we are on the main card. Alexei Kunchenko, or Kunchenka, if you want to like, the Russian broadcast, or Kunchenko. Uh, sorry, ladies. Uh, versus Tiago Alves. Come back plus 415. And, yeah, yeah. Perhaps maybe the bottom has dropped out on old Tiago. I mean, he's still a tough motherfucker. I mean, going back, I almost forgot the fight lasted that long. You know, when you think about it in retrospect with his fight with Las Vegas. Ugh, excuse me. It's getting late over here. Against Curtis Melender. But, uh, and I actually took Tiago Alves in that fight, you know. But I, you know, I took... took Alves and the Cote fight, and, you know, not that uh, Alves, I think Alves is still a world beater by any means, but I thought he was still alive in certain matchups, and, uh, probably not the case anymore, <laughs> so, yeah, I could see this here, and, uh, looking at Kachenko again, tough, again, he fought guys with all, you know, uh, all winning records for the most part, so it's, uh, not that you can come at him, but not, Hard to know still a lot, you know, not a lot of uh, grappling sample sizes. Seems as, you know, he seems to have really strong hips, I should say, but there are positions where he's a little too, and granted, these were fights that were maybe two or three years ago at most. So at least these ones that I'm thinking of in particular. So a lot of time for improvement there, but you could see that he, whether he was successful or a couple cases not, he was, the common thread was he was a little too confident, you know, and would let, Leg entanglements would let guys get angles um, as far as reshuffling their hips on their second chain attempts and just things that he probably shouldn't have been letting them do. Uh, that said, he looks to work well from topside. He knows what to do there. He's not dumb. He knows how to pass. He knows how to work from a turtle. He knows how to take a back. He knows how to punch and go for a choke. And He won't give up on it, and uh, he, he'll dog it out when times get tough. Uh, when he gets taken down, he can stay calm. He knows how to get up. He'll put the feet on the hips. He'll re-wrestle and shoot in on the hips. Uh, something, something, uh, something I love, you know, creates anytime there's, the, uh, you know, there's a little bit of space creating, you'll notice it'll go from guard. There's no reason why you can't do it. You don't have to be super flexible or have like a crazy pop-up hip like a BJ Penn, right? Where you push down on the head, foot on the hip, and you're you're up kind of a thing. Although that's a great get-up, and then you don't have to be as agile as, as BJ makes it look. But there are more simple ones and involve re-wrestling, getting back in the fight. Something that is not, I don't think, preached in the practice room enough because of, you know, at least, you know, practice rooms that I've seen. Dan, you haven't been to practice room all year. Yeah, I get it. I get it. But I'm just, I'm just saying in pass and more importantly, in assumption, going by what we see. You practice what you preach. You fight how you practice. You fight how you train. And, uh, you know, there's still a lot of uh, retaining guard, right? And even in commentary, that's almost spoken like, a oh, we retain guard, like that's some type of reward. I mean, fuck, it's consolary at best. And I dare not even say that. I mean, we're at the point where it's obvious, guys, unless you, you've got your in-game game over level you, or, or you're just super active, you better be just working to get up. Or at least parlaying your your sweeps and your submissions, your submissions into sweeps and your failed sweeps into get-ups, you know, in that order or something close. Uh, and Kachenko, he he does he he re-wrestles, he gets back into the fight, gets back on his feet, and ironically, that's when he gets a lot of his finishes. It's like, you know, some guys, oh, I, I gotta get stung to get woken up. Whereas like you look at Kachenko, a lot of his finishes, like they happen after the guy take him down, like gets pissed off that he got taken down. So if Alves does dust off his underrated takedowns, um, you know, you could see one of those scenarios. Uh, curious to see how Kachenko uh, checks kicks because he really likes the Muay Thai. You know, he does have more, less of the Wushu Sanda, more of the, like, I don't want to say Rashid Magomedov, who's a complete different style, uh, more of a slick boxing, kickboxing style than uh, Kachenko. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is he's less of the Wushu Sanda cut. 
as far as uh, again what I love about the, the, these Russian cards is you really get to see the different dissections of all the different styles right and disciplines and, and trends and stereotypes for different regions and what they produce uh, but uh, but Kajenko self admittedly likes Muay Thai so I, I don't know where he you know um, you know, uh, maybe it's a lot of like a lot of these Russian guys in this car where they're splitting their camps from Russia and, and Thailand, or he just like self-admitted likes Muay Thai, so he puts a lot of it in there. Throws a lot of leg kicks. Curious um, how he's going to do with the leg kicks coming his way. That said, is ridiculous, stupid, heavy hands. I see it getting the job done by knockout. I go Kacheko first round, late first round, early second. Yeah, which means over under is, is placed about right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch that thing. All right, Shabil Abrek Abdurahimov. To be born in Dagestan is to be born a man. Dagestani Randy Gatur, I say, minus one twenty-five. Arlovsky, wow, well, plus one hundred five now. Okay, all right. This line kind of surprised me a bit, you know. I think recency bias. I think Orlovsky still just kind of being put out to pasture. Um, Orlovsky has really improved in his last couple of fights since moving to American Top Team. He's gotten past just throwing the right hand. He's throwing a bunch of different stuff now from leg kicks to spinning back fists, head kicks, uh, just being much more active. Unfortunately, his gas tank didn't hold up too much in his last fight because of it. But I, I think he proved to a lot of people... Uh, you know, that, that that he's not done yet. Uh, again, is he going to be a world beater or a champion again? I don't think so, sure. I don't think so at all. But, but again, uh, I picked him last fight, even though I believe it was like a plus 325 dog. And the pick was wrong. I'm not going to tell you it wasn't. Uh, but, uh, again, even when I get the, the, the pick wrong... At least, at least wasn't wasn't crazy, right? I mean, it showed why why I picked him to win by decision. You know, who knows? The decision could have gone his way with uh, different judges in there. But um, but I know that I had a problem with it, by the way, uh, with Tai Tuivasa winning it all. I didn't have a problem with it, but just saying, uh, Orlovsky, you know, showed he could still put the he he, he he's still tough and still in there. But more importantly, he's putting numbers out, which has been just the plague of his career at least from mid to late, as of late. Uh, whereas Adir Kimov doesn't throw a lot of volume. He's kind of a one, one-two guy at that. Kind of like his career, he only fights once a year. So I'm not going to be too worried about, oh, he's got a layoff. Well, if you pay attention to Abdur Kimov's career, he doesn't normally fight a lot. But uh, I'm not confident in his game against this level of guy. You know, Adir Kimov, like I kind of alluded to earlier, Wushu Sanda guy, circle, circle. Uh, deceptively athletic for a big heavyweight, you know, moves in and out. Is a deceptively uh, good kicks. Wushu Sanda can't put his punches together, but again, not the biggest combination striker. Although when he does blitz, he does it well, and that's when he does his best. Just doesn't do it enough. That's the problem. Will uh, can change the takedowns really well from the body lock when he gets under there. But again, if he gets guys to the ground, you really will see him kind of throw some punches. Uh, do one of those loose passes where he kind of tripods up with his legs up high to the side as he has a heavy underhook with low head pressure and the one hand punching, far side hand punching, you know, real real typical position there. If you've been doing tape study on this card, you probably saw a lot of what I just described uh, <laughs> as the typical guys go to right when they hit the ground. Um, but that's about it. And he'll even let off when he's doing well. Like he just it doesn't seem to be real comfortable with that part of his game. And, and obviously... Real uncomfortable, and he's on bottom, as you saw with that Tim Johnson fight. As soon as he got mounted, they just had no answer. Um, so, yeah, uh, I just see Arlovsky just it's not, not being good for him. If he's in the clinch on the ground and on the feet, I see, unless he, you know, hits Orlovsky with the perfect shot, which, again, Orlovsky showed his, if his chin was really just done, then it, I mean, I think he's proved it in a couple fights already, but it really would it really would have dropped out against Taitu Advasa, right? Took some quality shots, kept going, wasn't discouraged mentally, physically, held up. So, uh, I know Joey Odessa hates the word value, but I, I see value in Orlovsky at plus 105. In fact, 
Old Dan Tom put 1.5 units on him, plus 100. That that, that is the uh, the the lone play uh, of the card, uh, with an honorable mention. Which you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna put a quarter unit as a flyer, admitted flyer. But I did say tie some off by decision, so I'll put my money where my mouth is. Uh, over two and a half plus 100. Uh, again, I don't. I'm not asking you to jump off that clip with me. But the, the main play for, for the day here will be Andre Orlowski, 1.5. Probably should have just put one unit. As you know, Dan Tom bets like a fucking eight-year-old with an allowance in real life and on this podcast for what it's worth. Um, but, uh, but yeah, since there's not a lot on here, I just, I just oh, 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 stepped it up. I know. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, but, but whatever. One point five units plus one hundred is what I what I'm playing for that. I just especially with like everything just being hiked to shit. Uh, deserve it, not deserve it, deserve it, but goddamn that's inflated and all the above. And you got a guy who I don't really think should be a dog. That's a dog, so I'm gonna play him, and that's that. Um, all right, next fight. This was the next one that was really gonna be close to it. You know, uh, fuck. I almost want to play it and go against my pick here because he's that live. I'm, yes, I'm talking about Jan Blockowitz, who is plus 115 and Nikita Krylov minus 135. I think this is like a popularity one, you know, like I think like one of those things where it's like, you know, Aubin Mercier or you get these guys who's like they're kind of like the hardcore sweethearts and the line kind of reflects that because Nikita Krylov, I don't know if he's proved he can be trusted yet. Um, that definitely was the case with him. He's always had the talent, but he just... You know, the fight IQ and the wildness would open him up. His aggression would open him up just bad spots. And not just bad spots. He would just show very questionable moves. Like, okay, how really good is your submission fighting? Uh, granted, the fights I'm, I'm citing were early in his, his first run with the UFC. So he's had plenty of time to improve. And it looks like he has. I mean, I got to imagine he was only going to physically mature. He was... Already, you know, he wasn't a big heavyweight, but granted, cutting from a former heavyweight to be a light heavyweight and 6'3", an athletic 6'3", a well-balanced, well-framed uh, 6'3", though not overly muscular. Though I must say, uh, and again, I don't throw accusations, especially guys that I like, but uh, old, old Al Capone, uh, Al Capone's been uh, beefing up, huh? Beefing up over there, looking pretty, uh, looking pretty ripped, has he, huh? Uh, but also technically, uh, I'm also liking what I see. He's always been laying on the feet in and out, but uh, I'm liking what I see more as far as you know, even putting with the punches together. Like, don't get me wrong, depending on the opponent, we're still seeing him kind of just throw naked kicks, which can really get him in trouble and get him countered and taken down by Blockowicz. I mean, we saw that in his last fight. Uh, well, we saw we saw that against Cannonier as well, but we even saw that against in Man, against Manoa. You know, that being said, I, I couldn't help you know in real time and in the replay. You know, I picked Blockowitz in that fight to beat Manoa, but I was like, man, I could see like if 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 you know, granted Manoa, everyone thinks about his left hook, but he really just dictates off his lead leg so well with his with the lead leg kick. He works so well off it. Um, I saw that head kick being there for Manawa, and sure enough, it ended up being there, uh, being there for him. I believe in the third round or second round, he got uh, Blockowitz good. That was one of my the leading things there with me. The Krylov, obviously, you think of the Walt Harris kick, but uh, it's more that Kyushkin background. That is more, you know, vetted, not in the sense of an MMA, obviously, you know, they're really highly com controversial as far as karate and MMA. Uh, low percentage, if I'm being honest, and I'm a defender of karate, but I'm more talking about more vetted as in that's not like a, you know, you can see some guys like okay, he says he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, but is this like a crackerjack one that he got out of a crackerjack box, or is it like, you know, Marcelo Garcia black belt? Like what's going on here? Like uh, Krylov can really, you know, you, you know, the Kyushin, he really, he really did, you know, the way he flicks his kicks up, and it, it, it's a part of him. It's really embedded into his style. But uh, also, you went and saw like, he actually could, could, you know, was was boxing with you know with Maldonado for parts and boxing with other guys when when it calls for it. So um, I don't know. It just it seemed a little more glued together. It's hard to get that sense again. Not the biggest sample size and not the best guys uh, who we faced, but still, I had a bit. Of, I had a sense that there's there there was real improvement, not not just the muscular improvement, but uh, 
Yeah, so uh, and Nikita Krylov, I just think he's going to put on that pace, you know. He, again, you'll question him. Fight goes to decision, more of a guy like Blakowicz, who has, has won, been a decision more and has won more decisions. And, and if anything, you know, you, Blakowicz, you can, you know, well, he's 35 and all of a sudden he's looking better and uh, addressing his gas tank issues. You, if you want to read between the lines, you could throw the same at, you know, you could throw the same, uh, you could throw the same eyebrows over at Blockowitz over there. But but the point is, he should be favored in a decision. But the, but actually, the longer this fight goes, depending on how it goes, you could argue that Nikita Krylov could have an advantage, because Jan needs to wrestle and clinch and needs to get his breath when fights kind of get above a certain pace. And he, granted, he's gotten much better at using his jab, working with boxers down in Warsaw. And using that to dictate the fight uh, quietly, which I really appreciate. But if that doesn't work, I could see Nikita Krylov's just pace overwhelming Jan and really forcing him in a fight that he doesn't want. Because when Blockowitz, uh kind of can get overwhelmed in a fight that he doesn't want, that's where things kind of fall off the hinges. Then again, I'm still not sold on where Nikita Krylov's grappling is, and he could get too wild. And you could see Jan like a... I don't know if it was his last fight or not, but he almost wanted to repeat the Devin Clark choke. And, like, you'll see, he's still, he'll look for opportunistic subs. Like, he'll look for them. Like, I could see Jan Vlakovic winning by submission or, well, I'm, yeah, I could see him by winning all three ways, to be honest. I'm surprised I'm not picking him here, but no, I ended up going with uh, Krylov. Like, I'm not going to lie, part, I mean, it's a toss up either way. I think Krylov should be the dog, to be honest. But, um,. Watching, again, watching his fights in Russia and seeing, and then looking at, you know, seeing him leading into this fight, just, I don't know. I don't know. I got a feeling this is his run, you know, he could comes back and and, 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 and and he's more mature. I mean, that, that was the whole point of why he did it, which is a sign of maturity in it itself. Uh, you could argue, if, you know, with the whole Ukraine situation and what was going on, he was jumping around camps back then. So it was like, were we even getting his best? Even when he was going on that run, you could argue we weren't even getting the best Nikita Nikita Krylov then. So um, I'll pick Nikita. I hope it's not bias bleeding in, but I don't think so either because I've been a Blockowitz fan. He, he's done me well lately. And, and I, again, I came in leaning toward Jan, so I can't really say it's biased there. I like both guys. I just want to sit back and enjoy this one. But uh, I'm picking Nikita, but if I'm, if I'm if, to be honest, this is... This is dog or pass territory. Um, and not because, again, you have an... Usually you would say that, I guess, about like an inflated underdog. But this isn't even an inflated underdog at all. It's just one of those matchups, man. That's how fucked up the read is, right? All right. Mark Hunt, minus 155. Sexy Alexi Olenek, who uh, I compared to Nitro Nick from 1998 Small Soldiers over there. <laughs> Uh, plus 135. The line got tighter. I think Mark was like minus like 200 earlier in the week. But, you know, it's funny. Leave John Morgan. Shouts to John out there. Nostrovia. Having some vodka covering the fights in Russia. Uh, posted an interview. Um, and, and essentially just Alexi Olenek, you know, being asked about... If he thought he was going to get the Ezekiel choke, and he's like, I don't think I'm going to get it on his fat neck. And it was awesome because actually, I actually was coming to that conclusion myself. I didn't want to get too deep. And, and, and I, as you notice, I'm trying to tighten up these breakdowns. And I'm, for, you know, I'm not writing as much. Again, coverage and demands and are changing. Things are restructuring. So I apologize. I, I do intend to compensate for what you like. And as far as that end here, as best I can, when I. <laughs> Being on time, I know, I know, I'm not going to spare you the excuses of what's going on in my life for at least this week right now and in general, but all good things, no complaints, but doing my best over here, but yeah, definite restructuring, I'm not trying to get too wordy, but I, in my defense though, I did say in the breakdown, uh, I said I think Mark Hunt's wider and stout, stout stature is going to prove uh, provide problems for that choke, and more importantly, uh, cited other guys like, you know, Chris Tashashashashner, and uh, uh, Daniel Milanchik and uh, even Jeff Monson in his first fight with his fight with him. If you look at the common thread there, 
with these guys is Alexi Olnik. Um, it was tough to choke these guys. Now, he did get Munson in their second fight with a rear naked. Uh, which is kind of that would be have to, the one choke or maybe a guillotine or something that you'd have to get on a mark hunt. But the Ezekiel requires a certain type of leverage that really makes it makes it tough, um, especially with the glove. I mean, you see it. Uh, you see Alexi really struggling to get the last couple inches in there uh, to really clear the glove. That's why a lot of times, um, shout out to uh, Lord Honky Humongous there on Twitter, who's, who's one of the many great... Uh, gift posters there um and i, I quote tweeted him last time uh, before alexi olenic fought albini uh I, I don't know the fight it was but it was one of the regional ones he just gets a great camera angle on it and you see when it, the reason why alexi can pull it off so much in mma though and i, I still don't think it's going to work as easily with hunt is that he actually doesn't have to get it all the way in like a uh, like a uh, a variated rear naked choke, which would probably be the layman way to explain the Ezekiel choke you're doing from an angle, which mainly most guys do from mount, whereas Alexi can do from mount being mounted or from bottom and guard, which is the one I'm referencing here, where he doesn't even have to get his hand all the way in. He gets the he usually gets the Irish kind of the over exaggerated Irish collar, which is uh where he wraps his arm around the back of the person's head, and then with that same arm that is wrapping around the back of the person's head, he is grabbing his opposing bicep, therefore, and, and then kind of applying the variated rear naked choke grip. But in one of the fights, he just almost, you see him make a fist and just punch into the carotid and close off from there. And there are actually ways to close, like, triangles. Uh, <laughs> shouts Neil Melanson and calls it Mr. Fister. Well, if a guy, you know, is, is you know got his arm wide and you can't get it across to finish the triangle to pull down on the head, and he's got a posture and his arm kind of across the body in the way that to protect him, Neil will just put a fist into the guy's throat and then pull the head on top of that as he squeezes on the thighs and the triangle uh, lock in place, and you'll get guys to tap. And it's really fucking just mean and blunt, but it does the trick. You can do the same thing with an Ezekiel choke. You'll see Alexi do it. He'll just punch into a guy's neck and kind of close off. Um, that being said, it was kind of uh, nice to hear him s admit that uh, it would be hard to because of the structure. So I guess I wasn't completely crazy pontificating on that point in the breakdown. That being said, Alexi could just be bullshitting and he'll just fucking go do it anyways. Um, however, I see more likely, uh, you know, uh, guillotines, anacondas, kind of things like that. But even that's tough. You know, when you have such a round, stout base, you can just... It was like Mark Hunt, you know, you can just turtle and tripod up. You know, he's got that kind of Derek Lewis thing to him. You, you saw it in the Roy Nelson fight. Granted, Roy Nelson not the most agile pack taker uh, with, the, with the belly. But you see it, uh, and I talk about it a lot in the Derek Lewis breakdowns, where certain guys, when they really know how to tripod, they're just nightmares, you know? And they don't even have to be round, you know? Um, Patrick Bijan, uh, former roommate, one of uh, three black belts under Neil Melanson, other two being Frank Trigg, uh, Randy Couture, he, granted, he was like 6'2", but, you know, he looked like just like a large Darren Elkins, pretty much. And he wasn't, like, he's, he's pretty, you know, not a skinny guy because he's a big guy, but he's just a pain in the ass. Like, he went against Joao Assis uh, in, like, an open weight when Joao was, like, fucking being hyped. And Joao beat him, but Patrick put him in some spots, and Joao couldn't get shit on him. Like, Pat's a fucking menace to grapple with. Like, everything hurts with that guy. But the point is... He would just tripod whenever he was in danger, and even like a high-level guy like Joao Assis couldn't take his back or capitalize. Derek Lewis does the same thing, just counts on it. And Mark Hunt does that same thing too, except you know, he definitely has his, his frame to support him. And uh, I do the same thing too when I'm, when I'm, over, when I'm overweight. I always have guys say, oh, you're so fucking round, man. I'm like, well, thanks for the backhanded compliment. Fuck you very much. Uh, yes, I'm round, but I also know how to turtle, bitch. <laughs> and uh, so, does, so does Mark Hunt for what it's worth. That said, hopefully he doesn't have to get that far with Alexi. Uh, Alexi is pretty plotting, and doesn't take. he deceptively gets into the clinch because he's so willing to take shots. But, dude, the guy's literally been rocked, dropped, you know, and connected with, uh, with uppercuts or hooks in, like, every UFC fight he's in. That is like Mark Hunt's forte, forte. So I, I just, I just see that that upper, uh, that slip uppercut hook counter just being there for Mark Hunt in the first round. Um, that being said, it's hard to count on heavyweight MMA, heavyweight fights. Mark Hunt's mental state, where is he at? 
Alexei Olenek just being a crazy man who just shouldn't be able to pull stuff off but does anyways. He looks like he's in his 50s, but somehow he's younger than Mark Hunt at 41. Is it bad that the Olenek's 41, Mark Hunt's 44, and both of those ages are a couple years younger than I thought they were at? Is that what does that tell you? <sighs> Boy, things to look forward to in Moscow. Metal face, Olaf, metal. Shout out to Jiu-Jitsu and all the other homies for picking up on my clerks analysis uh, this this uh, this week that I've been dropping. Uh, but that that will be it. That was uh, that was UFC Moscow. Um, yeah, again, sorry, I really skipped on the uh, the the fantasy the fantasy talk and fantasy talking there. I gotta get. I keep saying that I gotta get Jordan Fiegelman back on for for, for one of these shows. As soon as I get my shit together and get the, these episodes strapped into the actual Thursday night or even Wednesday night, depending, then we'll fucking get rocking and rolling, eh? Hey, what do you say? We'll eat some hay, maybe down by the bay. All right, from the bottom to the top, recap. I got Merab Divashvili over Terran Ware. I think that'll probably be bad decision. Same with Ramzam Ebaev over Stefan Skrelnik. Uh, Jordan Johnson, big swinging Johnson, minus... To, I don't need to repeat the odds again, but I think it'll probably be by a uh, veteran grind-out decision, although it'll be nice to see Jordan Johnson get a finish. Magomed Ankalaev, I think he gets the finish probably in the first round or second round with uh, some heavy-handed TKO, catching, taking down Prakniya on a spin. Ties him off, got him winning. Uh, I know, a bit of a limb by decision, but I guess I wouldn't be surprised to see him get the finish. Kabilov, much as he needs to finish, Probably be by decision over Johnson, at least. That's who I'm picking. I'm also picking Peter Yan to get the finish over Jin Su Sun at the end of the first round. Uh, Khalid. I have him knocking out CB Dalloway at the end of the first round. Uh, Alexei Kachenko at the end of the first round as well over Tiago Alves. Uh, Andre Olavsky. Um, I could see him getting a finish maybe later, but I'll, I'll say Olavsky by decision. But yes, he is the play. Uh, 1.5 units is plus 100, even though he's plus 105 currently. At least while I am recording on Blockowitz live as fuck at plus 115, but I've got Nikita Alcapone Krylov and, yes, Mark Hunt uh, in the main event. Those are the picks. Uh, good luck on your picks and plays if you're if you're doing any of that nonsense. Um, you know, maybe it's an early card, and, I, I again, I'll probably be house-sitting, so I'll... Um, I may be, uh, maybe a little bored and less distracted, so who knows? Maybe that means I'll, I'll bring my mic with me and maybe I'll do a recap because this, this card will get out early. Regardless, um, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your loved ones. You know, I, I, I got to see my, my grandma this weekend. Shouts. Going to go see her for her birthday, which is a couple of days away from that uh, Bellator card. Which will be nice to go. Uh, maybe, maybe I get might get to go out and, and check that out. We'll see. We'll see more to more to more to come on that. Until then, you know where to find us at the PYM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, I'm not going to flood your feed, so please give us an ad uh, that really helps a lot. Five star ratings and reviews. I'm not going to read them and waste your time here, but those are always appreciated on iTunes and uh, yeah, Amazon. On it, click-throughs at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com where you can find embedded portions of this. And yes, 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 along with the Empty Promises train that I'll ride on out of here. Of course, I will be getting more on uh, Stitcher and SoundCloud. More to come on those platforms. More to come on um, future news for the podcast as well. More top fives to come. Getting that next one uh, planned out as we speak. But, going to let you go. Until next time. Protect... Yeah,